politics is a blood sport. And because it is so difficult, we have to do everything we can to stop our enemy. And the enemy is the Democrat Party. That's the enemy of America because they are destroying our country. That means we're going to fight it out. And I, I'm telling you, I've always said I'm not afraid of the Civil War and the GOP. I lean into it. Mm. I want to do everything I can to do my part within our conference to force the Republican Party to be the party that is America first. Cool. How's that working out for you, Marjorie Taylor Greene? Jeez. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. It is and it is. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am stuck in the middle with you. Yeah. I am from Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles. This is the broadcast that's heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., 98.7 in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 in Ridgecrest and China Lake. Also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI and Round Mountains KKRN. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Groves, Queso, Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Rochester, New York on WRFZ. Down in New Orleans on WHIV. Out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950 KTNF. And yes, we stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internet as well on the Progressive Voices channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, Detour Talk. And most of your favorite podcast sites, Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us as we are still fighting like hell, going on 20 years now to protect what is left of your, our, my Desi Doyen's democracy to counter the disinformation and misinformation that is out there, like the ones of the folks who told you that all hope was lost for both Democrats and democracy itself this year, like those folks who claim to be leftists while tossing in with Republicans in hoping to depress the electorate, I guess, by declaring the Democrats were going to get absolutely destroyed this year in response to their policies. Really? That they were going to get destroyed come this uh, midterm elections, just absolutely wiped out. And then when they weren't, well, we got other things to talk about. Let's talk about China, shall we? And which policies, by the way, were going to be the ones that, that wiped out the Democrats? Fulfilling promises to boost clean energy incentives and rebuild crumbling roads and bridges with the largest infrastructure bill in decades, perhaps ever in this country. All-time record jobs growth, record GDP growth, lowest unemployment in 50 years. Investing $400 billion to stave off the worst of climate change, which is not nearly enough, by the way. But boy, it's the biggest investment the globe has ever seen. 
Lowering costs for prescription drugs for seniors by allowing Medicare for the first time in history to negotiate for lower prices with big pharmaceutical companies. Capping insulin at $35 a month for the elderly. Capping prescription drug costs at $2,000 a year. Expanding health insurance premium assistance for tens of millions of Americans. Forgiving student loan debt for as much as $20,000 per person, though a Republican appointed, uh, well, several Republican appointed judges are trying to block that. Making sure that everyone who wants a vaccine for COVID is able to get one at no cost to them. The largest ever investment in manufacturing microchips and more in this country to help onshore jobs after decades of offshoring them under ill-considered neoliberal international trade agreements and vowing to do whatever can be done to codify the freedoms and protections of Roe v. Wade into law and to adopt long overdue voting rights protections, including helping to get dark money out of politics and ending gerrymandering if they can possibly get enough Democratic seats in the Senate to reform the filibuster in order to do it. Keeping the U.S. ostensibly out of Russia's horrific imperialistic war of aggression against the sovereign nation of Ukraine which everyone said Russia could never possibly lose. But guess what? They are now losing decisively. Thanks to, in no small part, Joe Biden's leadership in helping Ukraine defend itself without dragging the planet into World War III. Now, you may want more. I know that I do. But let's at least acknowledge what is, shall we? including what has been to date one of the most successful first two years for a president and one of the most progressive presidencies to date since FDR. You want more? Yeah, me too. But let's acknowledge what is. And it turns out that all of those things uh, that I just ran through are actually wildly popular with the American people. And as we've been fighting uh, day after day on this program for months now to counter the naysayers from both the right and the left that lazily hid behind this so-called conventional wisdom about midterms during the first year of a presidency while ignoring the data in front of all of our faces. That, yes, Democrats would do much better than all of those in the GOP and the media and the questionably funded so-called leftish contrarian industrial complex had disinformed the American public for months on end. So, yeah, we're still fighting to save democracy here on the broadcast and to improve on its many imperfections in this country. But this week, at least the backers of democracy have won one by and large over the supporters of chaos and contrarianism and authoritarianism, those folks were all pushed back. And with that, democracy fought to live another day. So, yes, welcome to the broadcast. Delighted you could join us, uh, and you'll be able to give us a call if you like at 818-985-5735 with some of your thoughts on the midterm 2022 results, which are still being tallied 
Almost a week since Election Day, so there's still a number of things that we still do not know as we go to air today, um, but I'll get to those in a minute. And since the almost always wrong corporate media spent so much time before Election Day wringing their hands, what went wrong for the Democrats? What do they need to change? What do they need to do to win next time? How could they blow it? And since, as we've been explaining for months... They were doing just fine, thanks. The question now becomes, A, why did the media get it so wrong when we didn't on this show again? Which I mention not by way of praising myself or blowing my own horn, but by pointing out that we ain't got no resources at all on this show, pretty much. It's just Desi and I trying to do our best day in and day out. We have the tiniest of fractions of the resources of the big media outlets out there, the corporate media outlets. And yet we were able to get it right. Why couldn't they? So that's one question if you want to call in with an answer, 818-985-5735. Other question, second question, I'm sure I'll have a lot. What do Republicans now need to do to bring their party back from utter shame and ignominy? After those midterms on Wednesday, 818-985-KPFK if you'd like to ring in. And once again, be the pundit this week, as you all were last week, when pretty much every caller uh, said the Democrats were going to do much better than the BS corporate media had been telling Americans. And by the way, potentially depressing the vote in the bargain. But our callers had it right. Well done. Want to try again? 818-985-KPFK. Like uh, the big-time TV pundits, there is no penalty on this program for being wrong. So feel free to give us a call. You were mostly right, though uh, those who said the Democrats would take the House, well, they have yet to be proven right. Uh, and it remains a very long shot at this hour for that to happen. But it still could be. Since we signed off from our previous broadcast, there have been a bunch of developments uh, throughout the weekend that I want to try to get you all caught up on quickly before we turn to your calls on any and all of the above, even from those of you who may disagree with me on any particular thing. I'm always happy to hear from you. 818-985-KPFK. Uh, as we signed off on Friday, there were a number of critical races yet to be called, including two that would determine control of the U.S. Senate next year. Both of those races in the Senate in Nevada and Arizona have now been called by the media for the Democratic candidates. Arizona's incumbent Democratic Senator Mark Kelly, he had been leading by about five or six points over hard right Trump-backed knucklehead Blake Masters as of our Friday afternoon program. And uh, he was on the verge at that time, as we told you, of being declared the winner. Well, he was, in fact, declared the winner not long after we signed off from our uh, previous program. Media outlets called it for him shortly thereafter. But, of course, when media call these races, I want to underscore, remember, there's nothing actually official about it. it all, all of these, anything that has been called could still change. The tabulation could be discovered to have been wrong in some fashion. A candidate could ask for a recount and discover a problem, etc. But for now, 
If the media were correct, Mark Kelly became the 49th known seat for Democrats uh, in the U.S. Senate beginning next term. And uh, then the next night on Saturday, the after Nevada's Democratic incumbent, uh, Senator Catherine Cortez Mastro had been trailing but persistently closing the gap each day with each new release of results since Tuesday's election as she was running against Trump-backed Republican Adam Laxalt. Well, Catherine Cortez Masto finally overtook him on Saturday with the final batches of votes coming in from both Clark County, that's Las Vegas, Washoe County, that's Reno. Uh, <clears throat> and with her victory... That will assure that Democrats will, in fact, once again, hold at least a 50-50 majority in the U.S. Senate for the next term, with Vice President Kamala Harris breaking the tie if it remains at 50-50. And that's before the... Uh, the December 6th runoff in the great state of Georgia, where Democratic incumbent Senator Raphael Warnock will have to square off once again against Trump-backed liar and politically incompetent former football player Herschel Walker, uh, which, if uh, Warnock wins, would result in the Democrats holding a straight-out 51-49 to 49 seat majority in the upper chamber of Congress. A huge accomplishment— in the first term for a new president, particularly one uh, like Joe Biden said to have very low approval ratings. But those two races alone in the U.S. Senate, those two victories for Democrats sealing the deal for control of the Senate uh, in Arizona and Nevada. Well, that's pretty, uh, pretty huge enough in a year that we had been relentlessly told by Republicans and their lazy corporate friends in the media and many on the lazy left that a huge red wave, a huge tsunami, a red tsunami was coming to sink the Democrats. Well, thanks to voters, it didn't. Thanks largely to young voters, it didn't. By the way, uh, Gen Z and millennial voters alone Turned out at such a high rate that they countered every vote cast by someone who was 65 years of age or older. Well done, young voters, Gen Z and millennials. And, uh, well, you know, that alone would be big enough in a year like this to uh, seal the uh, 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 Senate majority. But there is more that I will get to in a moment out of both Arizona and Nevada from over the weekend. But just to focus on the Senate for a moment. Even as Republicans remain uh, very narrow favorites at this hour to very narrowly win, uh, win back, I should say, control of the U.S. House by a very small margin, some might suggest that Democrats and democracy, which is what I'm most concerned about, that, well, they don't need uh, uh, Senator Warnock to win in Georgia at this point. After all, the Democrats have a majority with their 50-50 uh, tie and Kamala Harris there to break the tie. So they have the majority. And, and it's true. They don't actually need Raphael Warnock uh, to make it 51-49 over the Republicans in January. But as progressive strategist Dante Atkins pointed out over the weekend in an important Twitter thread, those who say that uh, who, who say that sort of thing, oh, now we don't have to worry about Warnock. Well, he says they don't know how the Senate works. He says, here are the differences that a 51st senator can make. 
One, a 51st Democrat means no power sharing in the organizing resolution. In other words, Democrats can set the rules for the Senate this term. They won't have to negotiate those rules with Republicans. Democrats will have a majority on committees. Committees will no longer be deadlocked as they were in the previous term. <clears throat> where they you know, had the same number of people uh, on each uh, committee from both Republicans and Democrats. No more discharge petitions for floor votes that Democrats were unable to avoid with even splits on those committees that then required a whole bunch, uh, much longer floor uh, time on the floor, floor votes to accomplish anything, including judicial appointments. That will also come to an end in a 51-49 Senate. That massively accelerates both the legislative process and the confirmation process, notes at Atkins. Uh, two, he says the individual power of the two chaos Muppets, as he calls them. Desi Doyen, do you know who the two chaos Muppets are in the oh, U.S. Senate? Let me just guess. Kirsten Cinema of Arizona and go. Joe Manchin of the coal state of West Virginia. That's right. He calls them the chaos Muppets. Uh, the, their power will be drastically reduced in a 51-49 Senate. Both of them, he says, will now need to be uh, opposed to whatever it is, both of them opposed to whatever it is the Democrats are trying to do in order to block progress. You'll recall that during the battle to pass Joe Biden's extraordinarily ambitious, extraordinarily progressive Build Back Better Act uh, last year, that the entire thing was ultimately blocked because Manchin said, oh, well, I support I'll support this part of the bill. But cinema did not support that part of the bill. And then cinema supported this other part of the bill that Manchin did not support. Well, with 51 votes, Democrats get to ignore at least one of those chaos Muppets and they can press on with Biden's progressive agenda or at least try to, assuming that they either keep control of the U.S. House or peel off one or two votes from a Republican majority there, since any majority they have is going to be incredibly narrow. Three, Dante Atkins notes, the Senate is a gerontocracy. In other words... A lot of them are really, really old in the U.S. Senate. These guys, he says, are not healthy a lot of the time or they're not present a lot of the time. He said we could have a death with a Republican governor then appointing a Republican, giving the majority back to the Republicans in the U.S. Senate with the loss of one single senator under those circumstances. He says a lot of things could happen. 51-49 versus 50-50 means that you can have up to two absences or no votes. A 51-49 majority means that Vice President Harris will not be required to be in D.C. to babysit the Senate all of the time and can actually be a much more effective vice president who can be deployed for both policy and campaigning. So the upshot, he notes, uh, work for Warnock just as hard as, as you could if you thought that Schumer's gavel depended on it. Because as far as you know, at some point in the next two years, it very well could. That's the argument from Dante Atkins for why the fight in Georgia is just as important now 
uh, as it might have been had it been for the absolute majority control. Yeah, it's been rather infuriating to see a lot of what I have to admit are white male journalists saying, gosh, now that the Democrats have uh, retained the Senate majority with this, you know, razor thin that they've got that, well, you know, they don't really even need Georgia. But I think you've laid out really pretty well. Dante Atkins has laid out really well about why it actually does make a huge difference in what is what is able to get accomplished in in the Senate. And also, you know, passing judges is kind of important. So which is one of the uh, one of our favorite uh, progressive election watchers and journalists on Twitter is Daniel Nashanian. He is known as Daniel. If you don't follow him on Twitter, you should. Uh, He adds that uh, regarding the Democratic majority in the Senate, uh, quote, that's two more years of judges appointed by Biden. He notes, keep in mind, one thing that Biden has been very different on than his predecessors, including Obama, he notes, is the professional background of his appointees. Notably, he says, many more public defenders are being placed into the role of federal judge Again, with lifetime appointments that and he says that will be uh, incredibly important in the years ahead to have public defenders finally sitting as judges instead of just, you know, prosecutors or rich corporate lawyers. And he notes there are a ton of vacancies on the federal bench in both the uh, district uh, courts and appellate courts. Democrats are now uh, queued up to fill these vacancies, about 85 of them, as I recall at last check. Those can all be filled no matter what happens in the House. It's all up to the Senate. Those can all now be filled to help counter the incompetent and corrupt wingnuts that Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell stuffed onto the federal bench during that administration, including, you know, some of those judges who are blocking right now Joe Biden's executive order to forgive up to $20,000 in federal student loans to Americans. But of course, while Democrats, uh, you know, clinching a Senate majority was huge news over the weekend, if only to help put some curbs on a possible, even likely, and certainly very narrow U.S. House majority in the next session. My interest is in the much larger picture of protecting democracy and with it protecting our next presidential election against those who are already scheming to undermine it, I promise you. And to that end, uh, the good news that I was personally celebrating over the weekend were the results in some of these other huge races. Well, these other races... Uh, in both Arizona and Nevada that they're huge to me and they're really huge to the country, but they certainly didn't get the same kind of notice as things like the U.S. Senate. Specifically, I'm talking about secretary of state races in both states. And to those uh, ends, uh, these wins to me are absolutely huge and hugely important heading into the next election. I've been arguing for months that what happens in 2022 is really about what could happen in the 2024 election. And I still have many concerns, including the Moore v. Harper case that is set to be heard by the Supreme Court next month, a decision which could live in infamy. It could give power to state legislatures and only to state legislatures to determine, for example, the state's winner, so-called winner of a presidential election, no matter what it is that the voters in those states have to say about it. That's just one threat that 
still remains, no matter what comes of these midterm elections, but the threat of a secretary of state simply refusing to certify a legitimate presidential election in a battleground state, well, uh, what happened over the weekend has considerably eased my concerns at least for now. After Senator Mark Kelly's win was declared for the Senate in Arizona, the Looney Tunes Trump-backed Republican election liar Mark Fincham was also declared to be the loser in his race for Secretary of State in Arizona. That was on Friday night. Fincham was, among other things, present at Trump's rally in D.C. on January 6th of 2021. He said he would not have certified Joe Biden's confirmed and reconfirmed and reconfirmed again victory in Arizona had he been the secretary of state at the time. Fincham also said that he wanted to end early and absentee voting in the state of Arizona, even though at least 80 percent of Arizonans have long voted by mail or Dropbox because the Republican legislature way back, I think it was back in 1991, allowed for permanent absentee voting. Uh, And so, yeah, they like their vote by mail in Arizona. This guy wanted to end it, make everybody uh, vote on Election Day alone. His loss means that the Democrat, Adrian Fontes, who's a hell of a good guy, he's been a guest on this show. He's it was an excellent former county elections recorder in Maricopa County. That's the state's largest. It's Phoenix. Uh, He believes all voters should be able to vote and have their votes counted as cast. Well, Adrian Fontes will now become Arizona's new secretary of state in the critical battleground of Arizona in advance of 2024. That is really, really good news. He won that statewide office just two years after losing his uh, reelection contest as recorder in Maricopa to Republican Stephen Richer, who, by the way, uh, also seems to be a good guy so far. Fontes will uh, take the seat being vacated by Katie Hobbs as secretary of state. Uh, She remains locked in a battle for governor with Trump's candidate for governor. That would be former TV news anchor Carrie Lake. That could be called at this point at any minute, if it hasn't already, and I've yet to notice. Uh, Katie Hobbs leads Lake as we go to air still, but very narrowly by just one single point, about 23,000 votes last I checked out of about two and a half million tallied so far. Ninety three percent are said to be counted. Hobbs has been largely widening her narrow lead since Tuesday. But on Sunday, some heavier Republican results from parts of Maricopa came in and that margin started to narrow a bit. It's going to be very close there. Uh, In Arizona, impossible to know if Hobbs holds off Lake. A lot of election watchers, a lot of Democrats seem to think that Hobbs will pull it off. I prefer to wait to let all the votes be counted as uh, as the governor of Arizona is the uh, ultimate certifying authority for presidential elections in Arizona. This is an important one. And Lake has also said that she would not have certified Biden's victory in the state in 2020 had she been governor at the time. So this one is still a concern. But voters may breathe a bit easier, at least when it comes to the secretary of state's race in uh, neighboring Nevada. 
even though a Republican there, Joe Lombardo, unseated the Democratic governor, Steve Sisolak. A, Lombardo does not appear to be completely nuts like so many GOPers on the ballot this year. And B, the uh, Republican candidate for secretary of state in Nevada, Jim Marchant, is one of the worst and most dangerous secretary of state candidates on the ballot across the country this year. Well, the good news, Jim Marchant has uh, lost to the Democratic candidate Cisco Aguilar, which means now that every single 2020 election lying GOP candidate for secretary of state in a battleground uh, state has actually lost this year. By the way, Cisco Aguilar takes over from a Republican secretary of state in Nevada who was very good. She was not nuts. Uh, but every single election lying GOP or running for secretary of state in one of these battleground states, every single one of them has been rejected by voters in Minnesota, in Michigan, Pennsylvania, New Mexico, and now both Arizona and Nevada. That is undeniably very good news for democracy itself. Now, I think one of them did win in Wyoming. Um, but uh, frankly, it's unlikely that uh, Wyoming is going to be a contested state during the 2024 presidential election. If it is, well, we will certainly be living in interesting times. Uh, Nevada's uh, Jim Marchant, how, Marchant however, uh, he headed up the American, uh, the, the America First Secretaries of State Coalition, America First Secretary of State Coalition who were running for all of these offices around the country. Uh, that included uh, candidates for the office in a bunch of those states I mentioned, as well as the gubernatorial candidates, Doug Mastriano, who lost in Pennsylvania, and Carrie Lake, who has not yet lost as governor in Arizona. Uh, but, the, uh, but the worst of the 2020 election liars who would have been in place to help, a, uh, to help steal a swing state in 2024... Well, they have gone down across the board as America stood up for democracy, as I'd hoped they would. Now, I got more to talk about. I want to get to a quick break here and, and come back to some of your calls. 818-985-5735 if you would like to ring in on any of this for or again me in uh, any way. But uh, really... Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts, your concerns, your questions, and, of course, your help for Republicans, because what are they going to do? You know, leading up to the race, it was all about, uh, well, how did the Democrats go wrong? And these folks in the media, boy, did they have a lot of advice for, uh, you know, what Democrats should have done to win. You know, before Election Day, when Democrats actually went on and had pretty much the best midterm election of a party in power in decades. And, you know, of course, the GOP's insistence that they were going to win blowouts, red wave majorities in both the House and the Senate, including 50 or more seats, maybe even 100 or more seats in the House, and governorships and everything else, well, all of that fell completely flat. They were wrong. Republicans lost. They could still win the House narrowly. 
But Republicans lost, uh, did not win 50 seats, much less 100 seats. They may not even win the majority in the U.S. House. Uh, Democrats could still win it. I think it's a long, a very long shot. They still could win it, however. And that 218th seat, well, that could be Lauren Boebert's from Colorado. Even she could potentially lose. Looks like she's up by a few hundred votes at this point, may pull it out. But boy, were these people wrong. Why? 818-985-5735, 818-KPFK. Perhaps you've got some advice for some of these Republicans today or for some folks in the media uh, Republicans, what do they need to do to start winning again? Anything come to mind after losing election after election after election since 2016? Take a quick break and we'll come back with that and more, including your calls. I'm Brad Friedman. You are listening to The Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. And I'll rise up, I'll rise like the day. I'll rise up, I'll rise unafraid. I'll rise up and i do it a thousand times Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Taking your calls at 818-985-5735. What do Republicans got any ideas? Anything come to mind? By the way, Donald Trump is said to be making a big announcement on Tuesday night at Mar-a-Lago. We'll see where that big announcement could possibly be. 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK. Questions, concerns, thoughts, responses to this uh, past week's uh, really extraordinary midterm elections, which though we were telling you it was probably going to be close across the board, boy, the media, despite what their own polls said, by the way, their polls were mostly right, had they bothered to read them. But despite what their own polls said about the election, uh, you know, they just could not let go of this narrative that Republicans were going to have uh, uh, trounce Democrats. Republicans were going to have a red wave, a red tsunami. Because why? Well, Republicans were telling them as much. Here's convicted federal criminal and former Top Trump's uh, aide, advisor, and campaign manager, in fact, Steve Bannon. Here's his prediction for the midterms uh, over the summer. And we're winning everywhere. We're going to get 55 to 60 percent of the Hispanic vote this November. We're going to get 50 percent of the African-American male vote this November. We're going to have a blowout win. We're going to win 80 to 100 seat pickup in the House of Representatives. <laughs> we're going to win the Senate. We're going to win school boards. We're going to win. We're going to throw out these uh, source back DAs. We're going to win state legislatures. We're going to win all the secretaries of states that are running. We're going to win the governorships. We're going to win the state legislatures. This is going to be a massive blot like 1932. You're witnessing right now a political realignment like 1932. 
and we will we will govern for a hundred years after you win a hundred seats. You saw it last night. Do you want to I'll govern go as a one-party kind of uh, <laughs> no, total no, no, government? No, no, no. Do you want to destroy the no, Democratic no, Party? No, no. We, well, I, I believe that we will destroy the Democratic Party as a national political institution. You'll have the squad and the Progressive Party, and you'll have the neoliberal neocons that the January 6th committee is. You'll have Liz Cheney on one side and Kinzinger, and you'll have Shifty Shift and Swall on the other. A neoliberal neocon that represents Wall Street. A populist uprising of Hispanics, African Americans, and working class people in this country is before us. Okay. Okay. All right, Steve Bannon. You know, as the top advisor to Donald Trump, I, you know, he gives such good advice. It's so surprising that Donald Trump had so much trouble in the White House, given that uh, excellent advice from guys like Steve Bannon. Oh, my goodness. 818-985-KPFK. Uh, he, was, he was so close there. I can't, I can't understand why more folks don't listen to him. Progressive journalist and election watcher Daniel Nashanian, I mentioned Daniel, uh, he noted on Sunday night the extent to which this was a strong year for Democrats at the state level. He said, I don't mean by standards of a midterm, but in itself, uh, it has not hit yet. He notes that Democrats gained control gained control of four states, one of which they have not run in 40 years. They only lost one state. Plus, they likely broke a GOP trifecta, maybe two of them. Trifecta being uh, a control of both the House and Senate, as well as the governorship in any particular state. Nathaniel Rakich at 538's blog, he observed on Monday, Democrats had an unambiguously good election on the state level. They gained at least one governor on net. They picked up both Maryland and Massachusetts, flipping those from seats from uh, red to blue, those governorships. Uh, but they lost Nevada. The gubernatorial race in Arizona, as noted, is still uh, unresolved as we go to air. But Katie Hobbs currently leads Kerry Lake. So that could be yet another Democratic flip. Rakich says they also won all six secretary of state elections where a Republican who denied the legitimacy of 2020 was seeking to be the top election official in a 2024 swing state. Democrats also took full control of both full control which is huge, of both the Michigan and Minnesota state governments by flipping their state legislatures from red to blue and holding on to the governorship in both states. And he notes Democrats still have a chance to flip the New Hampshire and Pennsylvania state houses, too. Tell me more about that red wave and that great realignment that was coming again, Steve Bannon. 818-985-KPFK. Let's go to Guillermo in Los Angeles. Hey, Guillermo, welcome to the broadcast. Brad, how are you doing? Pleasure hey. to talk to you and great show as always. Thank you, sir. Uh, you were asking me uh, what suggestions I have for the Republicans. Well, I think they ought to become progressive. Yeah. I mean, the Constitution did say, you know, by the people for the people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if you're only going to cater to the 1%, um, it's not going to work. And on top of that, if you're going to go crazy with the MAGA, Make America Better thing, mm-hmm. it ain't never going to happen. I mean, I think this, I was very wary. In fact, I was considering going back to whatever I came from. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm thinking that, uh, you know, there's hope. Mm. I mean, there is some uh, 
sane people out there, and I'm guessing some conservatives actually voted against their own party. I, I have no doubt they did. I mean, because, you know, for one, conservative, conservatism doesn't mean anything anymore. It's not actually about, you know, a conservative interpretation of the Constitution or conservative values. They don't care about that. They care about power, period, end of story. But when you talk about progressives, yes, uh, you know, Teddy Roosevelt, he was a Republican. He became a progressive, a progressive Republican. There is such a thing. And in fact, there was a moment in time when Donald Trump Way back in 2015, and I think this is a lot. Uh, uh, one of the reasons that a lot of folks on the left foolishly yeah. fell for him was because he was espousing a bunch of uh, actually progressive policies. He was saying, oh, we're going to give everyone health care. Everyone health care, and it's going to be way better than anything anybody has now. Now, it was it was a lie. He was, you know, BSing everyone. But that would have been a very progressive policy, and a lot of folks on the left bought into that. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's where they could go, because progressivism, as it turns out, is wildly popular, Guillermo. Yes, it is. <laughs> Imagine. Uh, I also, I could also uh, you know, for the Democratic establishment, uh, I mean, I I. Think was gonna keep us on the on the on power. Mm -hmm. Word loosely uh, is that we we're gonna have to truly start passing things that are popular, mm -hmm. things that people of the U.S. need. Mm -hmm. And as long as we're providing even phrases, they gotta realize at some point, oh, yeah. my life is better. Yeah. Now that said, uh, what, you know, if the Republicans take the House, uh, passing that popular stuff is going to be all that much harder. But you know, they they did a lot of that stuff. I don't know if you heard the top of the show. I went through a list of what Democrats and Joe Biden did in the first two years yeah. by any measure. Yeah. Huge. So oh, one thing, one I'm sorry, but one thing on that is I don't think the uh, the, the Democrats really provided that truth to to everybody i mean you know they, we're gonna have to do something about media they, they didn't they didn't they didn't provide would you say that truth to every they didn't they didn't get the facts out about what they did the facts yeah yeah, yeah. the facts of what Biden and 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 company had done for us yeah they're not the greatest uh, communicators democrats uh, if they no, were no, we probably yeah well <laughs> we're working Back. We're working on it, Guillermo. Thanks for the call, my friend. Uh, good to hear from you. Thank you, sir. 818-985-KPFK. Let's go to Robin in Los Angeles. Hey, Robin, welcome to the broadcast. Hi, Brad. I think you're taking my call. You bet. Thank you for calling. Um, yeah, just wanted to make a general comment about, you know, people talk about votes and outcomes and elections, and I think a little-known sort of part about how elections are actually won is, you know, some of it is hard to mind, and a lot of it is money and canvassing and professional, mm -hmm. you know, election uh, workers going out to knock on doors. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, one of the secret weapons of the Democrats, I think, largely responsible for sort of this uh, flouting of the media narrative is a little union called uh, Unite Here, mm -hmm. um, which represents textile workers and hotel workers. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, you know, they had... Um, uh, are you, are you, are you a Unite Here member, Robin, by any chance? So I am a uh, labor union member of Which is fine. Workers of America. Uh huh. That's fine. I'm just I'm 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 just uh, ribbing you a little bit. Yes. No union organization, uh, whether it was Unite Here or the uh, the Culinary Workers Union in Nevada. 
uh, was it just huge what they did as far yeah. as pushing uh, some of those candidates, Catherine Cortez Masto, over the line in, in Nevada. No, it, it's huge. And that, of course, is why Republicans have been just trying to destroy unionism for so many years. And so, I mean, something I'll say, because I think it's so important, you know, when we talk about protecting the Democratic majority, let's also talk about, you know, how can the Democratic Party be a more pro-labor mm-hmm. party? I think uh, the National Labor Relations Board is dramatically underfunded right mm-hmm. now. Yep. I, I think, um, you know, the president's been putting a little bit of his thumb on the scales with these uh, railroad strike threats. Uh, I would just make the opinion that mm-hmm. I think it is time for the Democratic Party to really understand where the space and power comes from mm-hmm. and starts really doubling down on funding the National Labor Relations Board, protecting the right to strike, mm-hmm. and building a union-strong America. Mm-hmm. I'm with you, Robin. I hear you. And by the way, I notice it's quite interesting that, uh, I mean, one of the things that arguably turned the tide uh, in, in in favor of, of Democrats and, again, I argue, democracy, uh, were young voters, Gen Z voters, millennials and so forth. Well, for the first time, we are seeing actually an increase in union membership. And it is a lot of young people like that, a lot of, you know, Gen Z and millennials who, you know, folks who work at Starbucks and uh, Amazon and and, uh, fast food uh, stores and so forth. Their understanding, I think, what our grandparents knew about uh, union power, that there is strength uh, in in unions and collective bargaining. And so it's interesting that the young folks are coming out to vote and the young folks are uh, starting to revive the labor movement in this country, Robin. 100%. I uh, recently was part of a union drive at my own company, successful, fortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, um, you know, run by 27 things and just people recognizing that we have rights. I'll say, you know, unfortunately, this wave of organizing, uh, there is sort of a, a rate limiter on it, which is that these, these elections can only go so fast as a National Re- Labor Relations Board can mm-hmm. process them. And unfortunately, I mean, some of the workers there have likened the situation to um, uh, Lucille Ball in the chocolate um, <laughs> right. line, where these elections just keep on coming in yeah. and they can't keep up. Yeah. So I would really love to see the Democrats put their money where their mouth is, you know, um, acknowledge that huge support base and yep. really double down on well, funding the NLRB. Yep. I would love to see that as well. I do know that I've talked to union folks who are quite pleased with the appointees that uh, 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 Joe Biden has put onto the National Labor For Relations Rizzo. Board. Yeah, a real one. A real one. And, um, you know, have said that now it may not be a particularly high bar, but, you know, Joe Biden has said he wants to be the most pro-union president. Uh, since I don't know when in history, since FDR, whatever it is, it, like I say, it's a pretty low bar given the president, the Democratic presidents that we have had. But if you talk to folks in unions, they are uh, they're rooting for Biden and he seems to be rooting for them for whatever it's worth. Fantastic. Thanks, Robin. Thanks, Good. Brad. Appreciate the call very much. 818-985-KPFK. Let me take uh, one more. We'll go to a break. Uh, Vince in L.A. Hey, Vince, welcome to the broadcast. Uh, hey, Brad. Thanks for taking the call. My pleasure. Uh, I just wanted to mention that I've been reading every day for weeks a little nugget from Michael Moore. Yes. Calling it, calling it and, and saying, hey, don't despair. Keep your head up. March, vote, do what you need to do. And it was <laughs> it was just pleasing to see him um, write. <laughs> yeah. He was also 
the one in 2016 saying, hey, folks, take Donald Trump seriously. Yep. Don't do this, my friends in Michigan. You know, he was talking to his, his neighbors. Up yep. There. Anyway. Yeah, no. Hey, and uh, again, not to toot my own horn here, but uh, we were also doing that back in 2015, warning people that, no, uh, Donald Trump is a very real threat. Everyone who was saying, oh, he could never win. What a joke. You know, Hillary's going to glide through. We were uh, offering that same advice. That said, by the way, I hadn't I had heard that Michael Moore was doing that, that he was sending out those emails, those one a day. And I kept meaning yeah. all sort of season long to sign up for them. I never did. So so thank you for reminding me. And by the way, I was not trying to say I was not, uh, you know, that I was the only one who <laughs> called it, but very yeah. few. And, uh, you know, the corporate media just could not get over. Uh, I think we talked a little bit about it last week. There was this poll from Politico right before the election mm-hmm. showing that uh, Americans preferred Democrats by five points over Republicans. And Politico actually wrote in their own piece, please ignore this poll that we just took. (laughs) It's like they could not let go of that narrative. Anyway, uh, hey, thanks, Mike. Uh, Vince, I appreciate that call, sir. Uh, Thank you, Brent. You bet. 818-985-KPFK. Let's take a break. We'll come back with a few more of your calls as time allows. 818-985-KPFK. I'm Brad Friedman, and you're listening to The Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. Please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is serving you. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to counter the powerful corporate media echo chamber. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. To the Bradcast, Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. I am sending that one out to our friend, our longtime uh, listener uh, friend, Ron R. here in Los Angeles. He's recovering from knee surgery today. Hey, get well soon, amigo, so you can get well enough to do the other knee as well and then get back to fixing up your old cars. We love you, my friend. Hope you are doing well. Uh, we'll get to your calls in one moment at 818-985-5735. But to, uh, since we're speaking of Los Angeles, some uh, breaking news here from about nine minutes ago. We've got an update in the L.A. mayor's race, which has been really slow to count. Well, don't get too excited. No one's calling it yet. There is still only 76 percent of the votes in, but... Uh, progressive uh, Congresswoman Karen Bass is uh, running against former Republican billionaire real estate developer Rick Caruso, and her numbers appear to have just gone way up in what had been a one-point race. She had been leading by about one percentage point. It looks like she's leading by Almost five points. I'm just reading these numbers now, taking a substantive lead, Karen Bass, over Rick Caruso. It seems like we should explain that, you know, it does take long to 
count the ballots in Los Angeles and in California, but that's mostly by law. And we have a lot of people because uh, California is a major population state, bigger than both Australia and Canada as far as population goes. And you know who else uh, deserves some thanks, along with uh, some of the voters that I mentioned? Um, uh, poll workers deserve it. Poll, oh, yeah. Uh, ballot, Thank you, poll workers. Ballot counters who have been slogging away kind of around the clock since last week, trying to get these numbers tallied up and uh, ballots, uh, envelopes verified and everything else. Anyway, some good news for supporters of progressive Karen Bass over Rick Caruso. She now leads him by almost... Uh, 30,000 votes, if my on-the-fly uh, on math is any good. Um, just updated mid-show here this afternoon. 818-985-KPFK. Let me go to Michael in Costa Mesa. Hey, Michael. Welcome to the broadcast. Hey, Brad. How you doing? I'm okay. How are you? Doing better this week Very than I was good. last week in any event, Michael. <laughs> Uh, I just 50 minutes ago, when you first came on, I'm pretty sure, yeah. I've been listening to you guys forever. I'm sitting in the backyard in Costa Mesa in the sun reading a really good novel, <laughs> and you, I just caught you right when you started the, I don't know if it's a rant, but just that <laughs> five minutes of just like what the administration or what just positive things have been going on. Yep. And it just, dude, I just, I was euphoric. And <laughs> it just, thank you so much for just, uh, you know, because there is so much that this is that the Democrats are doing quite well. Yeah, and uh, y you guys echo that today, and I just uh, I love you guys. It's Aww. awesome. Well, you're kind, Michael. I hope we uh, caught everyone's attention in Costa Mesa because yes, it's yeah. an amazing list of accomplishments, and if you you know detail those things, well, you know, of course, I will get accused of being oh, you're a Joe Biden lover. Oh, you're a Democrat. No, I'm just pointing out the facts. And it is yeah. never enough, and it should never be enough. As far as I'm concerned, as a journalist, as a progressive, we should always be pushing these folks for more. But let's at yep. least recognize what you know has been done, and no, it doesn't make you a Joe Biden lover if you simply point out these accomplishments, for Christ's sake. And if Democrats did that— Maybe they would have won both chambers of Congress. Uh, maybe it would have been a blue wave this year. Just saying. <laughs> God, that's all. I, that's so good. So good. So good. Thank, Thank you so much. Thanks, brother. Sorry to have ruined that good novel. You can get back to that now. No, 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 thanks, no. Man. Josephine Baker, the secret yeah. agent Josephine, ah. about her. You know her from World War II, yeah. and it's just a, a new novel this year. Uh, read it. It's beautiful. Wow. And if I was able to take your attention from that, it must have been a good rant. Thanks, Michael. I appreciate that. Thanks, brother. Thank 818-985-KPFK. Uh, Margo in East L.A. Hey, Margo. That's, is that our friend Margo? Hello. Yes. Hi, hi there, Margo. What's up? Thank you. You know what? Several people have just said what I was going to emphasize. And that is, I believe that it would be best for Dems and liberals, et cetera, to not even mention the T word, the orange liar treating thief, and all the repugnants we support him. Even though there's open to satire and all that stuff, we should just be completely, especially on KPFK, et cetera, to positively say exactly what all the Dems have done and what Biden has tried to do and what all the good things we, we want to do and make that the main focus of publicity instead of even mentioning those creeps. 
and all that. Women men have just not have any publicity, and I think that we should do much better and get more people to get out and uh, they emphasize how appreciating we are for young people and do that. And I'm glad to hear that Karen Bass is coming down ahead, but I think we need to just emphasize the good stuff that the blues do, so to speak, and, you know, the progressives and all that, and we really actually follow through and do it and don't block everything. Okay? I think be very positive and don't even mention them, even though they're funny. Uh, well, I appreciate that, uh, Margaret. What, what is the T word? Well, I never would say it. I wouldn't even say the name of that instrument that you play, you know, that they blow, you know, that has, you know, I don't like to use the word that, you know, the orange liar cheating thief. I see. Well, you know what, Margo, you win an award there because I thought for sure you were going to go ahead and tell me that the T word was Trump. And then I was going to yell at you for saying it because you said we shouldn't say it. But you didn't even fall for that. Smartly done. Smartly done, Margo. Thank I really like the great music this time. The really great great music. Thank you for that too. You bet. Bye. Thanks, thanks, Marco. I appreciate that. Eight one eight nine eight five KPFK. Why am I giving out the number? We're almost at the top of the hour. I, I, I know. I guess Marco is a fan of lowrider. She is a lower. She's well. She is a lowrider herself. <laughs> I could tell. I could tell just from the sound of her voice. Wow. Uh, okay. And, and there are uh, still, you know, like I said, a week after the election, we're still working through these results. There are still more to come. I've got my eye on the attorney general's race in Arizona. Uh, that is an incredibly close one. By the way, the superintendent of public instruction in Arizona, something that I never used to give a damn about. Uh, well, uh, that last I looked was about 500 votes separating them out of 2.3 million in Arizona. And in a period in American history when Republicans are trying to ban books on things like LGBTQ, systemic racism and so forth. Yeah. Well, the superintendent of public instruction matters. I think it's been interesting how suddenly there's no more crime or at least Fox News isn't yes. covering crime. So solved. I guess Biden solved crime already yeah, and solved. there's no reason to ban any more books because they stopped talking about that now. Yeah. So all of these problems were solved. I think that's pretty amazing that Fox News has discovered that there's really nothing wrong now to talk about, except how they have to now restrict early voting. Yeah. Well, they got to do anything they can uh, to prevent. Here's an idea. Instead of preventing people from voting, maybe come up with something that people want to vote for. Just saying. It's uh, an idea I've been recommending to Democrats for some time as far as, you know, giving something uh, voters something to vote for. But Democrat, but uh, Republicans need to both stop preventing people from voting and, yes, give them something to vote for. All right, we got we can we can uh, get him in. He he's always good. Morris uh, from Long Beach. Hey, brother, how are you? Welcome to the broadcast. Take your take your as many seconds as you need. Go, brother. You can fool some of the people some of the time, Bradley. You can't fool all the people all the time. And you saw that with the midterm results. I couldn't completely make out what he was saying. Could you? Yes, you can fool some of the people some of the time, but you can't fool all of the people all of the time. We will be back to try to fool all of the people tomorrow on the broadcast. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to my board operator, Yout Orozco, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program or any other, download them all for free 
Also, thanks to your support at bradblog.com. Drop me email. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Brad Blog. I'll see you there tomorrow. See you there until we see you again, hopefully tomorrow. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Good luck, world.